Hello and welcome to the Helping Organisations Thrive podcast. This is your host, Julian Roberts. This podcast is to provide leaders with insights, discussions and robust strategies to help their companies thrive in these challenging times. We will be interviewing business leaders, owners and experts in the field of business resilience. Welcome to Helping Organisations Thrive. Uh, Today I have Sarah Harvey. Uh, Welcome, Sarah. Thanks very much for having me, Julian. Yeah, it's good to see you. Good to speak to you today. Uh, I'm just going to tell the audience a little bit about you. Uh, You are a leadership culture and conflict coach. Let's hope we don't have any conflict today. No. Um, You are the author of a book uh, called Savvy Conversations. And and Savvy Conversations is all about creating workplace places that are fun and energizing places to work where relationships thrive and teams collaborate uh, to achieve their goals. So we are going to have a savvy conversation and you are known as Savvy Sarah or Sarah Savvy Conversations, however you want to say it. So that's what we're going to do today. But before we we get into that, um, I'd like to get to know a bit more about our guests. So I want to ask, uh, what do you love about what uh, you do? Thanks. Um, Thanks, Julian. Um, I think... um, I've learned this over the last um, 18 years, really, which is a bit of a journey. But actually what I've realised I love is each of those three things that you've mentioned. So I'd sort of highlight around um, sort of working with individual leaders um, is so rewarding to help them be the best they can be. And then seeing how they, uh, their approach, their self-awareness, um, ha- ha- when they work on that, how fabulous it is for them and their own teams. So, so it's a huge privilege, I think, um, to do that. Um, and and then what goes hand in hand with that is around culture, which we'll probably um, come on to a bit later. But helping people develop a culture in an organisation that's more positive. Um, of course, dealing with toxic. Um, cultures but even if a culture is good how can how can it become better and I absolutely love um, being able to work with people on how they actually do that in a really practical way Um, and and then I suppose finally it is around um, helping people in conflict so you know what's not to love about helping people resolve their conflicts Mm. and helping them move forward more positively. And yes, it's tricky, but I think it's just so rewarding to be able to help people have a framework to move forward when they've um, been in a difficult place. So yeah, those are the three things really. That's great. And because in reality, there is, there is um, uh, difficult conversations to have. There is challenging conversations to have. And um, I just want to get your thoughts on what you've, I guess observed within uh, your uh, in terms of leadership over the last eighteen months of have you seen that people have gone is it gone more toxic less toxic has it gone more challenging conversations or less I just want to get your thoughts in the interactions you've had with your clients. Mm, so interesting because um, in fact I was reflecting on this the other day because I think it varies and although that's a bit of a dull answer that that's the reality so. On the one hand, some people really seem to have thrived over the last 18 months. They actually have put huge effort into communicating more effectively um, because we've more, been more distanced in various ways, because we're using more technology. People have really, some people have really thought about 
how do we do that? How do we have the right conversations in the right way um, and at the right time? And so they've really thrived and, and, and not loved the time, obviously, that would be wrong to say, but made the best of it and built some good relationships as a result of it. Um, others, unfortunately, have um, have really struggled. And I think it is that what I observe is the lack of connection, the lack of real deep human connection that they've been able to um, achieve over the last um, 18 months. And, um, of course, that, you know, that's at the heart of what Savvy Conversations is all about, is, is about how do we build those deep connections that mm. are meaningful um, in order that we can all thrive. And I think the reality is that it's been a difficult time for that. And some people have um, definitely found that a big challenge. Uh, there's some work to do, you know, uh, in, in the next in the next period now to, to put some of that right. Yeah, and I think my experience is probably similar, really. I, I think some organisation have, have taken the opportunity of this crisis and, and see what they could uh, get out of it and and uh, I heard a phrase from an Australian you know, you know make the best of a, of a crisis you know make the most of what you can from it uh, which sounds quite weird but actually it's quite positive it's looking yeah. for the, the silver linings the opportunities and I've seen a lot of organizations grab hold of that how they can sort of work and engage the, 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 the sort of the employees and there, uh, there's been others that have not been so I think to be honest they've just been kicked into survival <laughs> and they've struggled to even get themselves sorted in, in a thrive mode. Now, I headlined you at Savvy Conversations, and um, and that's what you're known for uh, and with your book as well. Um, what is it? What is a savvy conversation? How would you describe a savvy conversation? What, what does it What does it mean to you? Yeah, for me, it's so important. The first the first part of a savvy conversation is about reframing the conversations that we have. So the whole um, reason why I chose to call them savvy was because I was getting quite fed up with people saying they've had to have some difficult conversations challenging conversations oh they're so crucial conversation I'm not criticizing any of those um those particular words but actually if you think about it it's framing us for a difficult time mm. um, and a challenging time and and actually what I wanted to do was to say actually we can make these these conversations more positive they don't need to be as difficult as often we're making them. So uh, savvy for me in headline terms um, speaks to that. And then really on a more kind of granular level, it is about um, having the right conversation, having, having it in the right way and having it at the right time. And for me, those are the three things that we need to try and balance hmm. um, as leaders especially um, but you know, any of us need to balance those three things, and and often we don't we don't get that balance right, and that's where a conversation, um, and then therefore relationships can can potentially be damaged. Um, so yeah, focus on the right right conversation in the right way at the right time. I really like that reframing. I think that's really important. If it, as you say, as soon as you say the word, it's going to be difficult. Your whole psychological sense of things oh this is gonna be a hard ready for a battle ready for a fight um and actually just making it savvy means you gotta be wits about it, you gotta think about it, you gotta plan it and everything else i think is a really helpful approach and i think for me that's just just if people can just take that away right today i just don't, don't think about oh it's gonna be a difficult conversation or a hard conversation i'm just gonna have a savvy conversation here yeah. 
and that means so if we're having those savvy conversations um and we, we will probably have them uh in in various contexts and probably lots of remote contexts now um what's the best way of going there you, you, you alluded to it in terms of how, sort of right place right time really so what other things do we need to think about uh in planning that because like anything in in any conversation there's got to be some sense of purpose and plan isn't there rather than just you know so so what are your thoughts on that and, and sort of what are your tips to make that conversation really fruitful really positive and really uh, uh, beneficial for that relationship mm. well of course sometimes we can plan for conversations but sometimes we can't so um for those that we can plan for um then i'd really recommend kind of obviously giving some thought beforehand um and just thinking through what what do you want to achieve from the conversation that would be the first thing and that sounds so obvious but actually in my experience people don't do that very often at all um they really don't they you know even if we take the framework of an organization and the fact that you know supervision sessions one-to-ones are going to come up appraisals are going to come up even so we don't really plan for what we want to say we, we might plan um, we, we might plan in terms of filling out some paperwork, for instance, but we don't always plan for actually what do we want to say to this person? What's the key messages we want to get across? And how can we get those across in a way um, that's really helpful um, to them and, and, and to us? Um, so I think we can absolutely um, plan conversations that we know that are going to come up. And by that, I don't mean that that's contrived and that we've already decided what we're going to say. Hmm. It's more about planning our approach. So it's more about, for me, um, uh, do I feel that I've prepared enough so that I can be as candid and honest as I want to be in this conversation? Hmm. So, uh, you know, if there's some difficult stuff to happen, to be said, um, then the, the, do I, have I planned enough to think, yes, I am able to be candid with this person, tell them exactly what they need, I think they need to hear from me, but do it in a way that is obviously respectful to them and that engages them in that conversation. Um, and so that the, the next part being making sure that we're not just talking at them, that we are actually engaging in a conversation mm. and it's a two-way thing. Because, um, again, in some of my experience, that um, although that sounds obvious, it doesn't always happen it's kind of I'm say I've been saving this up and now I'm going to tell you um, <laughs> what, what I think rather than really asking lots of good questions and I suppose really a coaching approach is what we're talking about uh, to engage people and you say it, it's a conversation isn't it and, and a conversation is a dialogue is a two-way we have to listen respond uh, we might have a, a plan but it's a a plan isn't it it's a, a broader approach or an approach um it's interesting i i talk to a lot of people about having making sure you set your intent right uh as in what you're trying to achieve and, and what you're trying to get out of this because people feel that if they do if it's an intent that's purely basically selfish or just about they'll just feel it in your body language your words you'll say it'll direct everything and it's almost making sure you think actually that that intent is 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 not pure in that sense, but it, it's it's beneficial for both of you. I think it's that, that end game is it almost that like the outcome together is a is a win win. I guess I mean coin Absolutely. phrase. Absolutely, yeah. And that's actually what that's actually one the first part of um, 
the the kind of framework really that 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 um, I developed is about that intent. So it's about making it safe, making it safe for you to have whatever conversation you need to have. And part of that is absolutely fundamentally about setting your intentions. So we're we're definitely thinking along the same lines there. So what are the things besides the approach, the intent, when we're going to have these uh, savvy conversations? What else do we need to think about uh, in and you say sometimes it's how do you handle those not so planned conversations as well? So some thoughts on that. Mm. So um, I think that I think that's why I like um, the, I like the approach of knowing what your approach is going to be rather than knowing what you exactly want to say. Um, so as well as I think being engaging is really key because there's there's absolutely no point in having the conversation unless the other person is engaged in it, no matter what you're talking about. Um, but also I think to add to what, what I've already kind of mentioned, I think sometimes we lose our direction a bit. So sometimes we 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 kind of have conversations and they it seems like we've got some outcomes, but actually we haven't because we haven't really connected um, in the right way. Um, so, so I definitely add that into the into the equation. But I think fundamentally, it's about setting the right. I call it the conversational culture. So, if we've got the right conversational culture, we can practically talk about anything to anyone. And as well as being safe, I would um, add into that. Um, you know, how, how have you built trust in each other? Um, uh, that's not just in the conversation that we're having now, but that's in all of the conversations we've previously had. Mm. Where, where, where is that level of trust um, and, and how far has it got to? Um, and then it's about really relating to people um, human to human, <laughs> which, again, it sounds so sort of trite to say human to human. Of course we are. But I think people have needed to be reminded of that. We, mm. We've become quite transactional in our communications, I think, over the, over the last um, 18 months in particular. And, um, you know, where it's been harder to just bump into people, have more random conversations, they feel a little bit more contrived. We, we've, we've got to work out a way, and I do think it's possible, to kind of relate to people on a deeper mm. level than just the transactional stuff because that's what people crave um, and that's where uh, that's where they do their best work apart from anything and also where their well-being is is kind of looked after um, and just picking up on that almost the last 18 months this remote working this hybrid working and it's probably going to continue in some shape or form and I think there's some real benefits to that and in terms of flexible working how do we and you talked about that being relating to people and that sort of that human connection, which I agree with you, you know, meeting somebody in person and I've done a lot more recently, a lot more in person networking and meetings. You have that little chit chat stuff that, you know, that's good, you know, your weekend you talk about whatever what's on TV, just that stuff that builds relationships, builds trust. Um, and often we go into these meetings on online because we've got half an hour and we're going to talk about this and that's all we focus on, <laughs> which is, yeah. and it does become a little bit transactional in that sense. So what are your thoughts on how you're helping organizations to get a little bit more of the human side in a context of hybrid stroke remote working? 
Um, it's, it's an interesting one because I think there's been all sorts of, um, uh, let's face it, experiments around this over the over the last months, and um, people building in time at the beginning, at the end of meetings to do that kind of human connection. And my personal view is actually that doesn't really necessarily work very well because it feels a bit contrived. Um, it feels a bit like we're just doing that bit now. Um, and, um, it, it, you know, it feels like an add-on, really, um, which is not helpful. Um, so I think it's all about setting the right tone for the content of the meeting. So rather than us being transactional, um, uh, let's make the, the let's make more connection throughout the meeting. Mm. Let's not think we've got to add it on to the beginning or the end. And it is about the relationships that we build because otherwise, um, it doesn't feel natural, does it? It doesn't feel um, authentic. It doesn't feel you really care about me as an individual mm. uh, and as a human being. It just feels like you're going through the motions um, and. Um, kind of playing at it really so I think what we've got to do is we've got to get to the point where we're comfortable being expressive in everything that we're doing even when it's transactional and that means connecting on a human level it's not that difficult but it does require a level of emotional intelligence that mm. that, that means that we need to focus on that stuff we need to focus on emotional intelligence and build it where Perhaps um, we haven't really necessarily thought about that in the past. Yeah, interesting. I, I, I remember speaking to a CEO early on in the year, and um, he created a almost a, an open forum, uh, sort of a Zoom meeting that people could just literally jump in and chat. And so it, it, I think he opened it, I can't remember specifically, a number of hours of the day. He just had it open in the background. So then if people come in, you could see people pop in and go, I just want to have a chat, just like walk into his office. Yeah, and, wow. And it created a little an openness, and he just carrying working and other stuff. And if he was busy, you know, he just said, "Look, I'm on a call. I can't. I won't let you in, and we want to have a conversation." And then obviously other people popped in, and and it to me it just created a little bit more the normality of an office sort of environment where you just pop yeah. into the office. And I thought that was quite interesting, actually. Um, I'd be really interested to know whether that continued in the long term. Um, because although it sounds like a good idea, um, unless people genuinely feel that offer is there on an ongoing basis, I think over time it becomes a little bit of a kind of, oh, well, we did that, but I don't want to now interrupt them and, and what have you. Um, and I think the same, a similar thing happened when I was starting a training course for uh, um, clients online. They would say, we're going to open the room 15 minutes early so people can get that replication of arriving for a coffee and a biscuit and ch the chit chat around the room it lasted for one or two sessions but then after that everyone just turned up a minute um, um, a minute to <laughs> you know start time because they're busy back-to-back -back zooming so um you know I, I i i think i better ask for an excusion of my um cynicism on that but yes uh, no i get that and it's interesting because it goes back to you. You mentioned about culture and 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 talk about how do we you know take these the savvy conversations. You might be a leader that actually does that, and that's brilliant. But how do we then take that into the organisation that becomes a cultural way of working? So everybody's having these savvy conversations, and therefore it 
becomes the norm and therefore yeah. is the re so how, how do we create the culture because i think that's a probably more difficult but a more impactful way to impact an organization yeah yeah i think i think that's right and and um you know it's it, we we can come up with all huge you know greatly uh, complex strategies to do this but actually i really am a firm believer in coming back to the basics and saying actually it's the conversations we have day to day that are what builds the culture and it doesn't really matter what you say your values are what you say the culture is it's the conversations that are those um i call them the smallest units of change um, and they 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 are what sits at the heart of the culture so if you've got a leader which is who, who is saying um, I want to have an open door policy and, you know, you can come and talk to me about whatever you want, but their behaviour doesn't match that. And they say, oh, but not now. I didn't mean now. I'm busy with back to back meetings. Um, then that's not going to create the culture that, that, mm. that we want. So, um, it, you know, it's a good reminder to think that it is the day-to-day conversations that we have that make the difference. Mm. And even when those conversations are tricky, difficult ones, actually that's even more of an opportunity to mm. set the culture in the right way. Because if as a leader I have a difficult conversation with you, but I have it in a way that feels safe and you trust me, you trust mm. my intent, um, we relate to each other on a human you know, level and, and, and I can level with you and tell you that what the truthful thing is that we need to be talking about, mm. then actually you're going to far more respect me as a leader than if I'm just sort of playing at, um, uh, you know, being nice or fo- following some kind of set of values that's just written on the wall. Yeah, and it's interesting you touched on that whole piece of, of role modelling and, and role modelling is probably the most powerful ways to impact a culture and an organisation because um, I think people observe, well, probably subconsciously observe a lot more than they realise in a situation and will pick up values or pick up, you know, beliefs and all that sort of stuff when you're engaged in a conversation or observing somebody, how you're interacting with somebody, you know, when you see somebody having a really positive conversation and think, oh, that's that. And they're talking, they're doing positive and they're doing it with them and and, and they see that and it really helps build that culture, isn't it? So yeah. it does all start with leadership and it's, and, and it's leading the way and stepping out there. Other than you, you mentioned you've not mentioned it a number of times is is, is safe. Heat won't use safe, mm. um, and so I presume you're thinking like psychological safety in a, in that context. Um, which, if you're going to have those savvy conversations, that is probably a an absolutely imperative really to have, create an environment where people feel safe. So, how are you creating sort of within organisations sort of psychological safety? I I really do think it is key, and um, the way I the way I work with individuals and teams on on this is is to encourage them um, to be open with each other, um, to spend some time with one another, and even if that is online, but to get to know each other as humans, um, because if we get to know each other as individuals, it already feels safer. It feels we we do we do then um, uh, pick up on each other's intentions. I I get uh, to feel and to mm-hmm. see how you are towards me, and so I can trust you more. So it is about spending that time, putting that time in, 
having um, building the relationship so that when you have to have a conversation that's a bit more tricky, you've actually got a lot of credits in the bank mm. uh, to be able to draw on. So, so we're not starting from you know from a uh, a base level. We've actually already got that trust between us. So I know if you want to raise something with me that I might be embarrassed about or I or I might be upset about, I know um, that you're not you're not sharing that with me uh, because you're trying to harm me in some way. You're mm. saying it because you're trying to support and help me. Um, and for me, that's where the you know psychological safety is is so very important. Um, and of course, it works the other way around. I would really encourage um, leaders to um, really, like you said, role model by saying, if I if I don't do this, if you don't see me doing this, you call me out on it. Mm. I want you to call me out on it. I want you to obviously do it respectfully and do it in the way that is the right way. Um, but yes, I don't want you to to go away and think, Oh, did they mean? Did they mean this? Did they mean that? Uh, what What's going on? I want you to come and call me out on it, and let's clarify, and let's make sure that um, you know we do keep that level of psychological safety mm. strong. It's interesting because psychological safety is stemmed from it's it's relational, isn't it? It's it's that openness, it's that transparency. Um, I often say to leaders almost telling your people that you work with that it, it's to create a, a sense of place where it's okay to fail it's okay to make mistakes it's okay yeah, as in and we genuinely and, and and own up to your own mistakes quite yeah. openly as well because it creates an environment okay he made a mistake on that or you know obviously i'm not talking about focus on mistakes and talk about no. own, but but then using mistakes and failures as, as opportunities to, to to learn and obviously that's the that's the best way to, to obviously embrace that yeah. um so just just going forward now, thinking forward, um, what are your thoughts on what organisations need to think about over these next sort of months as people go back to the office or hybrid or you know just start doing more in person stuff? Um, and you know they they've probably not had conversations for a long time properly, if you know what I mean. So what what thoughts and would you think you think about over these next sort of the next six to twelve months? Yeah, I think that that's a really good point, and I and I think we I'd come back to trying to get this balance between having the right conversation in the right way at the right time, because um, and particularly the right time, which gets neglected actually a lot of the time. So because we're in this rush to move on to um, to get everyone, but you know some people um, rushing to get people back into the office or not, as the case may be. What's the right time for certain conversations to happen? And mm. I think for me. What's happened over the last um, sort of 18 months is that some important conversations have been put off because it hasn't felt like it's the right time. Mm. And that, in some cases, that would be absolutely right. Um, but in other cases, it's a bit of an excuse not to have the conversations that we needed to have. So mm. it's to really, I guess, um, for leaders in particular to ask themselves, what are the conversations I should be having right now? What are the things that are going to make the most difference to, to the organisation and my team mm. to help them thrive in a, a now a slightly new way of working, particularly if we're um, embracing hybrid or, or still remote working? Mm. Um, so, yeah, I, I would definitely say it's about thinking about 
when are the right conversations and which conversations are they? Brilliant. I think that's really valuable to, to actually pause a little bit, think about those conversations and almost think those conversations are going to make an absolute impact. And if you think in that way, then you'll think quite big about them and quite um, uh, put a lot of time and energy into them, which is really yeah. important. Um, I've loved our conversation today. Um, um, so Sarah, really appreciate your openness, appreciate your advice. Uh, please let people know how they can get hold of this book. This is your book. Thank you yes. for that. Uh, and also how they can connect with you as well. Lovely. Thank you. And th thanks very much for having me on today. Um, yep. So um, people can get the book at uh, Amazon. If you just search for Savvy Conversations, um, it should, uh, should come up there. Um, I'm on Twitter um, as uh, Sarah Savvy Sarah. <laughs> Um, uh, Instagram Savvy Sarah and the website is savvyconversations.co.uk. Brilliant. And I will just say to some of those who have not answered any comments because I can't do two things at once. We've had Tracy, Sheikha, Kate, um, obviously, comments, which are good to see you three. And thank you for tuning in. And uh, we'll come to reply to you soon when we go off air. Uh, but yeah, thank you for today, Sarah. Appreciate your thank time. You very much. If you like this episode, then please do subscribe, do share with your friends, and do check out other episodes in the series. If you're looking for support and help in your organization to create a resilient culture, then please do get in contact with me on julianrobertsconsulting.com. Thank you.